Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 235. How are you all doing, guys? How many of you are, uh, are listening on Spotify? Uh, hit me up and let me know, because it was a big deal. We had to slug things out there. We had to go to we had to do some rounds to make that all work and to get on there in a, in a way that I felt was fair. So I'm delighted to be on there, and I'm excited to see the impact it might have on the spreading of the podcast because it is somewhere where you can just kind of sling things around quite easily so yeah i'm buzzing for that but um this week's guest equally i'm buzzing for is the wonderful gizzy erskine uh, really good conversation this um we went on all sorts of tangents we got into some stuff from her her upbringing that that isn't kind of pu- public knowledge i really liked it when we got on to um some, some some body image stuff she speaks eloquently and and wonderfully on that and openly on that so yeah it's a great one um i should mention if you enjoy this one i mean i've not had any other sh- chefs on but gizzy is friends with with professor green an example in fact she was example has got a new podcast that is um it's three or four people all around a table at once having a catch-up and on the first one it had example and Gizzy, and Pro Green, all all guests slash previous guests. So check all of them out. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that we talk about in this podcast who's a previous guest. Because basically we've got a lot of, of mutual friends, and uh, we'd never hung out properly. So yeah, it's really good to chat. I should mention as ever that we're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. Gizzy is a wonderfully stylish and well-dressed person. I've got the best merch in town. So I advise you to head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com and check out my swimwear. My, I mean, it's it's winter now, so I've got hoodies, jumpers, jackets, all sorts of dopeness. So head over there. Um, yeah, as as I've done two this week, let's jump into the podcast. I'll mention right up front that um, that the Gizzy's new book is 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 out now um slow food worth taking time over and it's something i'm a, a fan of and a believer and as we get into in the podcast um i speak about my, my brother and his his cooking outlooks and beliefs so um yeah it's a great episode i'll leave you for now and i'll be back at the end to tell you about what's going on in in coming weeks in fact i'll tell you now because i said it in the outro on the one early in the week with dr kate devlin we've got epic beardmen next week i know a lot of you've been been waiting for this one for a long time myself sage francis and b dolan sat down and we shot the shit we um we chatted up a storm so i think you're going to enjoy that one um it's been a long time coming but but basically it's all about scheduling i'm I'm now recorded up until like mid-december because i've just been going hard on getting these podcasts in so yeah Thank you for tuning in, guys. Not thank you for tuning in. I'm doing that as if it's an outro. We're still in the intro. <laughs> I'm a, li- a bit delirious. As I, was, I said in last week's episode, I've recorded a lot of podcasts recently. I've done a lot of talking. It's fried my brain a little. Anyway, this is episode 235 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Gizzy Erskine. Hello Team 3W, uh, this is Buddy Peace, I am the producer of the Distraction Pieces podcast and uh, I just wanted to drop in just to give you a little heads up about the audio on this episode. Um, 
So Pip was recording it in the basement um, of a club, which is an amazing club, but uh, happens to also be quite reverberant. So I've done my best, uh, but there's some sort of reverby echoiness to it with a little bit of background noise too. So your ears will adjust and it will be fine. Um, The content is awesome, of course. Uh, There's nothing to worry about, but I just thought I'd give you a little note and uh, a little heads up on that. Um, So yeah, without further ado, please enjoy your bonus episode of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Scroobius Pip and Gizzy Erskine. Enjoy. I'm here in the book club. It's the first time I've recorded one in the book club. And it was weird because I forget that I've got my club night here in a week as we're recording this. As there's, there's posters of me everywhere. So, <laughs> so that felt weird organising a podcast where you, you, you have to walk past multiple posters <laughs> of me to get in. But I'm joined today by Gizzy Erskine. How are you? I'm pretty hungover, if I'm going to be totally honest. I went out last night. I had a bit of a swanky evening. went to the Ritz. Nice. Um, which isn't really my usual. I feel like it's not my usual natural habitat. But yeah. um, it's nice every so often to do one of those tasting menus, all the wines. Completely. A few, a few uh, Gibson martinis. Yeah. Have you ever had a Gibson? I haven't. It's the best martini of all the martinis. Oh, what is it? It makes, what makes it? A Gibson is uh, basically, you know when you get a dirty martini? Yeah. Um, it's with olive juice. This one's with pickles. Like, right. Um, it's got um, pickled onions. Those yeah. tiny silver skin ones, which I could eat, like... By the jar load. Amazing. Um, but it's kind of a little bit more acidic. <laughs> but it's kind of like a neutral acidity to, to like that sort of like really icy gin yeah. thing. Have, have you had to, to fight to be comfortable with enjoying situations like that? Because I always have. I, like, I was given a membership to um, a Soho house yeah, yeah. years ago because I did a little gig there for a friend. And I was like, I'm never going to use this. I'm, I'm an Essex lad. I'm not this kind of thing. And then one day I had a busy day in London. I popped in for five minutes and it was just quiet. And I had peace <laughs> and I was comfortable. And then, then, then the next week it was sunny and the Shoreditch house one had a swimming pool on top. And I was like, <laughs> like living the I'm dream. proper into this now. It's like, I was, I was, for years I was like, that's not my kind of thing. But then, as you said, every now and then... I don't know. I mean, those, those, things, are those nice. things are like they're set out for comfort. I think when you go to the Ritz, it's sort of ups at a level. Yeah, it's it's proper classy. Yeah. I mean, I, my family background is that that should be my natural habitat, but they sort of strayed from that because they're bohemian and they went off, and I was brought up in a way that it wasn't actually, you know, encouraged or anything like that. But I do think it's definitely in my blood. By the end yeah. of last night, I was like, no, this is it. I could be here for a while. That's it. it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting one because you come from, you know, uh, an established background or, or whatever, yet you did, as you said, the family seemed to shun that and you grew up in, like, East London or Hackney or, or I grew, wherever. I grew up right? in Paddington. Yeah. But then I moved to Hackney when I was about... I, was, I can't, actually can't remember. I'm going to say 20-ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm 39 now, so I've yeah. been there almost half my life. Yeah. Um, but I'm, my family is Scottish, um, and I've never actually talked about this 
in the press at all, but I think it's probably just like it's all over Wikipedia now. And I yeah. think I think it's like I don't know who puts it on there. It's amazing. No, it's bizarre, that stuff. Sometimes you're like, and they've sort of got like stuff that I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. You're like, how the hell? And I ask my mum, and she'll be like, oh, that is actually true. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> Um, so my family are aristocracy, but my father was a photographer and right. my mum, um, was a sort of model and actress and groovers and shakers in London and Amazing. I just don't think it really interested them at yeah. all like that. I mean, my father was, like I said, they were bohemian. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the thing and he wanted to go off and do creative stuff. Yeah. So I've never been brought up with it. You know, I have a title, um, but I went to state schools my whole life. Um, we never had money. Yeah. Ever, you know, we were poor. I mean, I'm, I'm poorer than a lot of my working class friends, who, yeah. which is a really weird analogy about yeah. how to look at things. So it's, it's a fascinating one because it really shows how confusing yeah. the class system really is, is. And, 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 and can be. And I, I love that that to choose what is important in 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 life. And growing up in kind of a working. I, Class family. It's notorious that you're taught, you know, the important things in life are more important than money and this and that. But that's because you've got no other choice. So to choose mm. to teach all of that and live that when you do have another yeah. choice well, is, is, a, yeah. is, a, is a fascinating one. Or you've got that, you know, you've had, you've got those options of this. Yeah. Well, I guess there was a moral judgment there. I guess as a yeah. creative yourself, you know that, you know, your, your brain works in a very different way. You know, my grandparents were conservative politicians and yeah. that goes against everything that yeah. I believe in and have been led to believe, I guess. So, um, you know, there was a bit of a need, I think, for that breakthrough yeah. from, from the family. And I think, you know, it's no just, you know, I'm obviously, it's fascinating when I look at my family history. It's something that I've never experienced myself. So it's yeah. kind of, I've never really been put into that, bracket you know my mum and dad even broke up when I was eight or nine so right. you know and my father died when I was very young as well so that side right. of my family is you know I, I, I don't remember it but yeah. it's, it's, it's so it's really strange but yeah I, I, I really have a huge amount of respect for the way that they handled it and I yeah. think it's really cool and I think it's made us all pretty cool as well from yeah. it you know Having a really good, good moral judgment and things. Completely. And, and do you think that influenced you as a child to kind of look at what you, you want to do with your life rather than what you should do with your life? Find your passions, yeah. find what you're into creatively, artistically, and, and make those choices rather than, well, you've got to get a good job yeah. and go and work there and live there. Yeah, I mean, for all of my parents greatnesses they were both absolutely hopeless at guidance and I think other than (laughs) other than you know you are you know I was really great at drawing for example and I love to cook and you know I was definitely the creative one yeah but this in their head was that's it that's what she does you know they didn't focus on my academic side and I was also academic as well right yeah but that was never focused on it's like you're going to go to art school that's what you're going to do but actually it probably would have been what I would have done anyway. Yeah. You know, if I, you know, if I hadn't have like, my rebellion was a very different thing. But you know, I, I started being a body piercer when I was fifteen, sixteen years old. So, yeah. but then I look at both my, you know, my sisters are both in advertising. You know, yeah. they're both creatives as well, and yeah. it's like, so I guess it does, it does gear you towards that. Completely, I, I, I love the thought that the big rebellion would have been to go down the academic route it's, it's, it's like the complete opposite of what people yeah. are generally used to I love that well I, I you know the one thing I will say is that you know I was academic but I didn't believe it until yeah. I started at 
write, writing a little bit later on in life. Yeah. And, um, and I just, you know, it, it almost was almost bred out of me to be like that, which is yeah. really interesting. So I kind of, yeah, you are right. But my sister, my elder sister's academic. You know, yeah. she, she went to, uh, to university. She read classics. She's so hyper-intelligent. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, like, I can even see it in my niece and nephew, both of them exactly the same. You know, my niece is super-intelligent, but she's Amazing. also, she's going to draw. Yeah. She, she wants to, she's an artist and yeah. you know she's she's got a, a scholarship into a really amazing school which has a great art program at oh, 10 wow. years old she's skipped a year all for art so i'm like That's you know crazy. it's obviously like i don't know yeah it's there to be there um so what was your route then so you kind of you started piercing and, and stuff at 15 or 16 yeah. so, so what was your kind of here's what or was there has there been a here's what i want to do moment or is it just a well, let's see what's what's working. I don't really know. I kind of I thought I was going to go to art school. That was what it was, and then I got a bit conceited. We had um, about fourteen years old. Um, someone come around from Central St Martins, and they basically said that you know you could have a scholarship with us, and we'd like to see more of you. As soon as they said that, I was like, nah, I don't want to, I don't want to be told what to draw, how to yeah. draw it. So and at that age, I mean, what little twats, you know? It's tough in the arts, though. <laughs> yeah. It's tough in the arts because so much of it can't be taught right yeah. and so much of it is about your own passions and yeah, inspiration and style rather absolutely. than here's here's what's right and here's what's wrong yeah. so it is a i can understand that but also it's a hell of an opportunity i know i mean i i've i've sort of often wondered if i had a gun down route i don't know i think i've always had i didn't know what i wanted to do i guess but I was really lucky. I mean, I left school when I was 15. My father died on the first day of my GCSEs. Oh, wow. So I didn't go back. Yeah. Which was actually... I don't know. I can't... I've sort of always battled with that, whether that was the right decision. I guess, I, you know, in my head, I... When you read it on paper, of course it makes sense not to go back. Yeah. But actually, you've prepared yourself for this day. And actually, I was just a little shit, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. I was out taking drugs the whole time. I was drinking at that age. Like, hang out with, like, street punks. I was not... I was, it was an excuse, actually, yeah. that, and that is the yeah. truth. It wasn't me just going, you know, I'm devastated. Of course I was devastated, but I actually, the, re- the truth is, I put it to the back of my head. I was like, this isn't what's, what's happening. And it's giving yourself permission to go off the rails. Yeah. I, I, I had really similar when I was at college and my parents split up, and the yeah. first year of that, I just got drunk a lot, got mm. stoned a lot. In my maths class, my attendance was 20%. Wow. <laughs> which meant I, mi- I missed 70%. Not really, that's a math joke, obviously. But, um, <laughs> but, um, no, Good but, but, it's my one subject. <laughs> so I'm like, right, yeah. But, but that's it, I missed all of that, and I had that realisation after that first year of, hang on, I'm not that sad. I'm, mm. you know what I mean? I'm, I've, I've been told, essentially, mm. you've got a reason yeah, to yeah, act yeah, up, yeah. so I'm acting up. And my thought then was, right, so in 20 years, when I'm working in a, fa- a factory or whatever, or, or, or whatever isn't my dream. I'm not hating on factory workers. Whenever I'm working in whatever isn't my dream, I'll have a miserable life, but I'll be able to say, but yeah, but my parents split up, yeah. so I'll have an excuse. Sorry. Like, that's no good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my own life I'm yeah. ruining. So, so what was the point you kind of shook yourself out of that, I guess, or kind of started to get a different focus? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was punk, and I, and I just went into Camden one day, and I, you know, my mum wouldn't even let me get my ears pierced till I was 15, and then I had my tongue pierced within six months, you yeah. know? And, um, and I just got really into piercing, and all of our mates hung out in Soho or Camden, and went down to Camden, and one of my friends was, he ran a piercing studio called Cold Steel, 
And I was just like 15. I was like, I want an apprenticeship. And he was like, well, we're looking for one. But we, you're too young. And I was like, okay, but can I not just do something? And so yeah. I kind of did reception for a few weeks. When I turned 16, I started doing cleaning and sterilizing all the equipment. And yeah. by the time I was 18, I was sort of changing jewelry. And then Amazing. I went on and did a proper apprenticeship for three years. And I went to, wow. I mean, I took it really seriously. I went on and did um, anatomy and physiology open university course and then wow. I went on and did you know every every piercing related course I could have done like talking about blood bomb pathogen awareness or you know extra sort of first aid courses or you know I was I was really wanted to be the best and we go yeah. to like um, all these things around the world which were run by the association of professional piercers and and like, just to learn all the new stuff and I was really you know and I think that Intrinsically, when whatever I do, I wanted I wanted to do it really well, and actually yeah. that was uh, something I learned from my boss at the time. He was meticulous, yeah. and that's something that I don't think I'm naturally. I have ADHD, so I'm like, right. Right. Yeah. but, but yeah. I, he's taught me how to in work be want to be the best, and therefore you know everything that I love. I guess I also do have a bit. I was like that with sharks yeah. and kittens when I was a kid. I it's great though because it's really inspirational because people panic at times that they need to find exactly what they want to do or that. They're wasting their time on this thing or that thing, mm. but you can do a load of different things, and none of it is wasted time as long as you're progressing and you're learning stuff. The fact, the fact that skills learned in piercing mm. are transferable oh, to the, the food industry and stuff totally. like that—it's crazy. You, you, you're so encouraged to think at a young age you need to figure out what you want mm. to do and start learning yeah. now because you need to learn yeah. for the first half of your life and then do it. Uh, the second half. So, and, no. And this is why I'm always going to feel a bit sort of confused by the education system because I I have always through learning through starting work at 15 years old had more of a for had a different attitude towards earning money and and how I put myself into that role you know um, because I learned on the job essentially yeah. um, and then I've taken those skills on and that's same same because I was chefing before I went to catering school and. I also think there's nothing about leaving school early where I felt like I had a lot to prove. Yeah. But because I was capable. Yeah. And I never fulfilled that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that belief that you've chosen a route that maybe wasn't the obvious route and now you have to prove, I made the right choice. Look at how hard I can work yeah. and how good I can do. Yeah. Because of that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you'd gone academic or, or whatever else... You can always go, well, I'm doing the right thing. Mm. Yeah. So when did you start chefing? And what was the route there? Because, again, I, I love that the vibe I've always got is that you will be someone to stumble into things and then get really fucking good at it. Do you know what I mean? Kind of go, oh, I'm here to do this now. Let's yeah. do this. And they go, right, now I want to be the best at that. Yeah, I think so. I think that's sort of, as I said, I've got ADHD and part of... When you read up about it, you, there's a lot of stigma that goes with ADHD as well, and a lot of it is that you're kind of vacuous and you don't absorb information. I'm the opposite. I get really fixated. Yeah. And if I'm really into something, I, I want to learn everything about it. Like I said, when I was younger, I, you know, even now, it's funny, I was out with um, Fergus Henderson who, from St. John, and we started talking about the, um, the sort of it, tilapia being a, a fish, an Af- African fish, um, and he was asking if I'd ever tried it, and then suddenly I switched into this, like knowing the whole route of the tilapia and how the bull shark or the Zambezi river shark ends up eating it, like Amazing. going through its eating, eating patterns through the year. It's like, where's this come from? Like, Why have I yeah. This? 
Um, but anyway, so I guess, like, I don't know. That's a good trait to, uh, <laughs> uh, to have, right? Particularly yeah. when you've ended up writing a lot mm. in, 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 in the food area. Mm. It's good to have that kind of obsessive yeah. n- n- knowledge and research because yeah. that can be... And again, it comes... I guess it goes back to you having that academia kind of tendencies mm. at, a, at a young age because often anything creative the place that people then slip up is when they have to do anything that takes mm. the focus and the dedication it's like they can be this yeah. wonderful artist but if you need to then put together a five month tour without anyone helping you yeah. like, ah, that's no good whereas yeah. if you've got that and again it's similar I g- 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 generally think a lot of my success is down to organisational skills as yeah. much as it is that like there's some talent there yeah. but also I'm really organised and I really I'm good at knuckling down and going right let's get this done yeah. let's plan this out but I think yeah and I, and I you're absolutely right I mean I, I wouldn't say anyone in the world would say I was organised but I have the ability to have loads of windows open in my head and I can I can structure the, all of those things out together so yes there's my obsessive side and and you know that yes there's a side which means that I can in the kitchen be utterly in one zone and one zone only which is cooking and and it's interesting you speak to a lot of chefs and they have exactly the same thing the way that you sort of explain it's almost like a dance a poetic dance where everybody knows what your next step's going to be but it's not choreographed it's almost intrinsic it's like some weird you'll suddenly get onto the same like level which is um, I've always found that really fascinating because a a lot of us like that do you find that you try to keep the people who you can, can, can lock in with around, in kitchens or whatever else, have there been kind of people that you're like, well, we're all on this, yeah. they understand me, so I need Definitely. to work with these people and here's my yeah. team? Absolutely. I mean, the, the people who I've always had problems with are definitely organised people. Yeah, yeah, who yeah, don't, yeah. Who just look at my life and go, what the hell are you doing? Like, how do you even, like, how do you get up in the morning yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and the fact is is I've just this is what works for me and it is you know people will look at my laptop and be like what is this you know it's like <laughs> you'd probably have a, have a fit if you saw it if you're organised <laughs> but you know it's what works for me and I get yeah. it and the second that somebody changes that I'm like uh-uh, this isn't working so I don't know and I think with, com- with confidence and age all of these things that I was taught were wrong when you're young you know yeah. you're taught that this isn't how to behave you know, I mean, I hold my pencil in a really dumb way. Um, and I was always taught that to try and get this out of me. I'm like, now I'm just like, for the sake of holding a pencil in a weird way, is, like, are you serious? This is how I hold um, it. Yeah, all the way through to sort of slightly more complex stuff where, you know, everyone who's, I don't know, I think you either have that brain where it doesn't matter and it's just working and look, you know, you can't knock what I'm doing or trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite. I, I find I find that sort of whole mindset of somebody who just can't look beyond what they're taught. Yeah, here's um, how it should be. Yeah, so, yeah, but I, it's working. I'm yeah. doing it. It's the whole. Yeah. The the easy example is always um, the bumblebee. How scientifically yeah. it shouldn't be able to fly. Oh, the yeah. size of it, the, yeah. the size of the wings, all of this. Yeah, but yeah. it fucking does. It's like you kind of if, yeah. if it was to be broken down and no one had any other information go no there's no way that that can fly yeah. it's like yeah but it does though so maybe it's stop like questioning a little zeppelin it. and stop giving me your maths and your equations on why yeah. it doesn't work it does it's, work it just works sometimes it just works yeah so what was your route when you started 
Sheffield? Was it instantly, here's what I want to do, and this is a serious thing for me, or was it just work, and then you studied it, or...? Mm, I think... No, I mean, like, I've always cooked. I don't remember... Yeah. I mean, my, my mum uh, and father broke up when I was about eight, as I said, yeah. and she had three children and was a single parent, and, you know, we never had money, so she put us to work, essentially. Amazing. And Amazing. so I don't remember a time where I wasn't peeling potatoes or... It's just, you know, doing things in the kitchen. And, you know, and my sisters would probably be more like, do we have to do this? You know, I'd be like, that would be my zone. Yeah. You know, they'd be happy yeah. washing up and I'd be really happy with the cooking. And, and then, you know, as I got older, I'd ask specifics about learning how to make things. And my mum went away for work. She um, got into another relationship and her boyfriend had a company that had wood veneer and they were around the world. And one of their main um, factories was in Thailand. So... She, they spent a lot of time in Thailand or Cincinnati or Milan. And, oh, wow. And we were schooled in London, but went to see them in the holidays. And um, so we were in Thailand a lot of the time. So my mum, we would do one of two things. We were in Thailand, it was our thing. So we'd go out to, the, to you know, get ingredients or do these things. And, Love it. and whereas in London, it was like my mum would be away, I'd be like, can you talk me through how to make chef's pie or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it was our bonding thing. Yeah. And then as I got even older, then we started going out for dinners and, and things like that and comparing notes. And she, I was her, you know, I was her little um, cookery sidekick. Yeah. And, and loved it. And so I had a weird scenario. I don't know if I told anyone, anyone this either. About, uh, I was 19 and I, I was with one of my friends, Julie, who has the, she owns Cold Steel now. And she had broken up with a boyfriend and went to go and see a clairvoyant. And um, as we went through the door, this woman grabbed me and she's going, Mona, Mona. And I'm like, what? And she's like, Mona, Mona's telling you that your mum's got to go and cook. She needs to cook. And I'm like, all right. And, you know, I <laughs> don't know what she's on about. And, yeah. I, and I leave Judy there, call my mum straight up. And I'm like, oh, this, this happened, a bit weird. And she was like, I was like, who's Mona? She's like, Moo. Like, your grandma, Moo, is Mona. I was like, oh, whoa. My grandmother was a, was oh, a clairvoyant. Wow. Um, she was a spiritualist, um, Buddhist, yeah. um, communist. <laughs> so Amazing this kind of gives. This yeah. is this is my mum's side rather than my yeah. dad's. Um, they, they're pretty great. That's the family. And she um, she wanted to cook because she never did. And my mum wanted to cook and never did. And I don't know if like if that suddenly made me go right. This is maybe what I want to yeah. do now. Do one of us has to do. Yeah, this. and it sort of stuck in my head. And then eventually, I went to catering school when I was twenty-two. I started working in a, in a restaurant, you know, in yeah. um, in uh, Notting Hill. Yeah. And then with Ian Pengelly, and I moved with him actually up right where we are now on on uh, Great Eastern Street, yep. Great Eastern Dining Rooms. Then I, yeah, then they encouraged me to go to catering school, and I did. And then yeah, the rest is history, really. Amazing. <laughs> I worked so, at old restaurants after that, but so so over your kind of career or no or, I mean not even over your career over your, your life of cooking how have you found the changes to the kind of social approach to food and and the dining we're at a weird place now where we've got a lot of a huge rise in 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 health mm. based f- for food and cooking mm. but we're also at a great place for body positivity yeah. and things like that and it's weird because I think those things on podcasts, I hear a lot of those things butting heads, and it annoys me slightly. A lot of podcasters, I find, make the mistake of they'll argue against body positivity because it's, in their opinion, it's encouraging obesity or bad health, which, number one, I don't think is true because 
size isn't the only relation to health. But number two, it's all a choice, yeah. right? I don't think we should be telling people, well, you, you, no, essentially saying you, you have to live longer. Eat this way because you have to live longer. The, a lot of the people who will be arguing about a healthier lifestyle would also argue against mm. us saying, well, we need to ban American f- mm. football because of head trauma. We <laughs> yeah, need to yeah. ban boxing, all these yeah. kind of things. It's like, there's certain but, things that are choices, right? Mm, yeah, no. I think I have a bit of a com- complicated relationship with this as well. Yeah. Um, I think that, unfortunately, media has been one of the main things that, that particularly social media, has been one of the main things that changes. It's, and it, it's been so positive, you know, yeah. in so many ways. I've been really actively against the whole clean eating brigade, based entirely on the language, um, yeah. the fact that social media was so inundated with it, and I was meeting young girls who believed that eating, you know, a bowl of, um, you know, avocado, uh, avocado and pea pesto mm. with um, courgette was dinner, and I'm That's like, you know, right? that is not dinner. That is a snack or a side salad. And I'm not having it any other way. And, it's, and it's, understanding what real nutrition is. And under, it's and such also, a common thing yeah. on social media, though, of people who aren't experts yeah. are the ones who are giving the mm. most advice and mm-hmm. having the biggest reach. And that's the thing that's, that's dangerous, is it will be things like that, that they'll be promoting tummy flattening teas yeah. and just, just yeah. ludicrous stuff. Or Because, again, a healthy diet, there's nothing wrong with that, but most of the stuff that's pushed as a healthy diet mm. isn't a healthy diet. Yeah, and, it, and this is the it's thing. It's starving yourself, you Exactly, know? and this is the thing. It's like, I feel for our, for Britishness, let's say, you know, every single culture has their own cuisine, and then often, let's look at classic British food. A stew, for example, made with loads of veg, really good quality meat, if that's what you're, you're into, and really good quality stock that's been reduced down, served with a, you know, potato mash, that is healthy food. Yeah. It's, health, it's delicious, healthy food. That's not rib sticking. That's not bad for you. It's got a bit of butter in there. It's probably got a bit of milk. It's got some meat. It's still probably coming under, you know, seven 800 calories, which is what you should be having. Yeah. Um, it's not, like, I, why is this being demonised as being unhealthy? And that bothers me. That said, we are we were we were increasingly becoming one of the most obese nations in the world, mm-hmm. and you know since this movement has happened, the high street has completely changed. Yeah. You know, people who I would never in a million years would really understand about nutrition and their bodies. And I was at, like in a cab the other day, and this cab driver's like talking about all this stuff, and he's like proper old, old like East London cab driver. And I'm like. This is something I never think, thought I'd hear. It's and, and actually talking about spiralising stuff. And I'm like, wow. You know, our offerings on the high street are better. You know, we, we can all eat better. And we're all getting slightly healthier because of it. And yes, there is the side which is, you know, abhorrent. But, you know, because it, it's... But you know what? I think what we need to understand, and it's the most boring statement, is that, um, you know, having some kind of middle ground... <laughs> You know, let's be just have a normal attitude towards this. Let's have variety. And you know what? On a Friday night, I am going to have some fried food. And sorry, it's just going to happen. And you know, I'm going to have some cake on it, and I'm going to put it on a Sunday. And I'm going to because that's just normal, and that's what we all do. And the the second you demonise something, the second people want to do it to excess, you know, and that can be fat, you know, fattening fatty eating, and it could be, like, you know, really extreme health fatty eating. Yeah, completely. And, and so let's just kind of all take a breath and, like, 
recognise that there's a place for it all, just not in excess, you know? Completely. It's extremes either, either yeah. way that get dangerous. And I think it also boils down to our increasingly instant society where we mm. want to change our body shape in a week yeah, or we want to do this. To get healthy, it's going to yeah. take some time. And absolutely. it shouldn't be extreme. It should be a gradual, yeah. you know, a lifestyle change rather than a totally. fad diet. And that's totally. what's important. I'm a big fan of, and I know it's something that you're... R- relatively well versed and considering you've written a, a, a book on it but I generally <laughs> I eat healthy in the week yeah. and at the weekends I eat yeah. what the fuck I want and I've yeah. had periods where I went months of being really really healthy and I was miserable and my body wasn't reacting well or feeling good and I find for me I really enjoy eating healthy and exercising yeah. in the week that bit doesn't become punishment Absolutely. and then at the weekend I relax and I like pick out this. Yeah. and it's such a good it's, yeah. It's a better life, and it does, it does mean that it will take me six months yeah. to get really good abs if yeah. I'm going from there to yeah. there, but that's fine. Yeah. It should take I know, some time. And it, and it should do. You know, I mean, I don't know if you ever, like, I, I've put on three stone recently, right. and um, it's been the first time, you know, somebody, I've just been jamming, if I'm completely honest. You know, I'm five foot ten. I've always been around the ten, ten and a half stone remit. I don't even think weight matters. I mean, like, it's almost irrelevant. I've always been around the same weight or dress size, you yeah. know? And it's because I'm really active. And by active, I mean I've got to be up my bum. And, um, and I also have, like... You know, I, I prefer eating healthily in the week as well. I always yeah. have really done that. And similarly, you know... I mean, but then with my job, I have to indulge a lot more than everyone else. And, and I also enjoy exercise. I mean, I've never wanted... I've never resonated, and this is another thing I'm really grateful for my mum, I've never resonated with wanting that sort of Victoria's Secret model figure. Yeah. You know, I've always had tits and arse. I've always liked it. I've never really had a problem with it. I don't know if I... Sometimes I think that I'm... I don't, I'm not that girly when it comes down to those things. I don't know if it's even being girly, because I see it with, in a lot of men now who yeah. have these needs to be pumped and all that. A certain way, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I don't know. I think that there's... I've, I've posted about it because I was meant to go to the GQ Awards and um, the, my car was waiting. I had loads of people I was meant to be meeting there. You know, I didn't want to let anyone down. But in the end, I couldn't get into any of these dresses. And if I did, oh, wow. I looked... They were not things I would ever have worn in a million years. Yeah. Or I looked like a mum. I looked, actually looked like Dame Edna by the end of it. It was just yeah. like these big jewels and like everything... I was just like, you know what? Why am I putting myself through this? Yeah. I, it's abysmal. I hate it. I don't feel like me. I'm going to be the most exposed um, version of me, like having to go down a red carpet and probably have the piss taken out of me the next day in the press for putting on weight because that's the, in, that's the world yeah. we live in. Yeah. And so I pulled out. And then I was going through these pictures the next day and, you know, looking at my makeup and my hair and I was just like, what an idiot, you know, like, is that, am I that shallow? That, and I, then I suddenly had to question, like, how I feel about all of these things, you know. I don't want to be one of those people that doesn't, you know, go, well, fuck it, I've put on three stone, who cares? I'm just going to yeah. go out and do this. And there's another side of me that goes, actually, the truth is, I felt like shit. I felt abysmal. I felt gross. And it's not, is that really that terrible? I don't know. It's normal. Did That's what I felt. And it is, it's the truth. I don't ha- feel like ha- I felt it, sorry, just quickly. Yeah, I don't no, feel like ahead. I felt it because of media. Yeah. I felt it because I put, like you said, I put on, th- I put on three stone and I didn't feel healthy. Yeah. And I didn't look like me. And that is simply it. I don't feel like it's, it's the media drumming that into me. I think that's such a powerful and important message because, uh, it's, again, it's the extremes. Mm. There's, this, there's, there's this 
argument against your Kardashians and the unrealistic yeah. image that they lead. But, but also equally, the lies. They put out lies yeah, out, out there, which is, you know, there's, there is a difference. But equally, I think that then starts to shame people who choose they do mm. want to look a certain way. Yeah. And it's f- fine to want mm. those things. I got into to, to, to my fitness and stuff at a point where I wasn't going on stage at all. Mm. I wasn't taking my clothes off anywhere. So no one yeah. was seeing it other than me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I really liked it. And I was really pleased. I was happier mm. seeing how I looked in the mirror. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So it was for me. As cliched as it sounds, it was for me. And I think it's okay... It's not shallow mm. to find where you're happy with mm. yourself. So, Absolutely. again, that doesn't have to be skinny. Yeah. It doesn't have to be yeah. this or that. But finding where you're happy with yourself. And there's n- nothing wrong with that being any sh- shape or size. But mm. you can't be told that. I really yeah. liked your kind of your piece. Again, it's, it's, it's what we're talking about. stating that the, the, the body positivity is one of the best things of recent times mm. on social media. Mm. But equally, it's okay to not feel body positive all the time. Absolutely. Because there's a pressure then yeah. to go, well, you shouldn't care. It's yeah. Like, yeah I did today. Do you know, and I, th- I'm and knackered I, and I did. Yeah. And if I'm completely honest, I think a lot, there are various reasons why I put the weight on, mostly because I've been working my arse off, setting up two big, you know, businesses and writing a book. You know, that's going to have a, an effect on how you eat. And I had no structure to my day. Really? You switch around the window, yeah. Yeah. But I think there was a side to me deep down I was going, oh, you know, it's actually all right. It doesn't matter. I'm going to, you know, suddenly you're like, actually, three stone came on very fast. I didn't even know because I don't yeah. know the scales because I am hopeless at things like that. Suddenly it was like, I can't get into any of my clothes. Let's just see. Oh, right, right now I'm a size 14, pushing a 16 actually at times because I'm so tall. And... I, you know, I can't get into anything. And then I weighed myself and I was like, holy shit, like, this is, this is a lot. And then you're like, oh, no wonder I, you know, you, the habits you get into are, right, I've been cooking all day and I've got in at, like, 12 o'clock now, but mm-hmm. I still need to eat because that's my downtime. This is my own home and I want to be able to enjoy my home in a way yeah. that... So, therefore, I would eat. I was powering through on, on Coca-Cola because I was exhausted but it was all of these things are normal and natural, and we all go. We're all going to have probably one of these experiences a few times in our life where yeah. you just have, you lose control of it. Yeah. And it, and even that's okay. And it's okay to go through these things, and it's okay to suddenly go. All right, this needs fixing. Yeah. It's not. That's all it is. It doesn't mean that I have self-loathing. Yeah, it doesn't mean that I don't that I don't like myself. You know, I I actually am quite arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I don't. You know, I don't feel like that I have but I do yeah it's simple it's quite pragmatic actually yeah I love it I, 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 I saw um, a, a nutritionist online recently and again it was amazingly calm and reason mm. because this thing blew up where Mark Wahlberg posted his schedule and, he's, and this, this, this nutritionist was like yeah but you've got to bear in mind He's doing this for a limited amount of time to get in shape for, for a, a role, yeah, for a specific exactly. thing. It's like, if he lived his whole life like this, he would be really ill. Yeah, It absolutely. would be a bad thing. But in a limited time, yeah. in this situation, that's fine. But again, it's that thing from the outside that then gets shared as a meme. And everyone's yeah. like, and people are like, well, that's how I have to live my... Like, no, know, don't live your no. life like that. It's, it's specific yeah. needs for specific times, right? Yeah, I mean, and it... You said something earlier which really resonates as well. It's like everything is so instant. You know, all yeah. these diets are like, 
like what with the eating in moderation diet like cutting a tiny bit of what, what's off your, on your plate off your plate now yeah. diet is completely like not considered a real thing yet cutting out a food group is or you know or going to the gym you know for for twice a day actually a lot yeah. of the fitness people i'm seeing going twice a day now and you're like i mean i have actually done that as well because in training for something you know yeah. I, I cycled across india and went twice a day at one stage but it's like there was a mean to an end and it was horrific hated yeah. every minute of it it was not fun and there seems to be we've lost the sort of ability to think about a scenario I think yeah. everything is there's a one size fits all for everyone now and it's like god can we just not look at what works for ourselves actually that's, that's the absolute key like I do cr- CrossFit I don't tweet yeah. about it because yeah. it's such a fucking cliche now yeah, yeah, but yeah. it happens to be the one that worked for me, yeah, I don't think it'll work for everyone. I think I've got yeah. mates who it wouldn't be right for, I've got mates who it would be right for, but that, that's absolutely key is we also want there to be a one-stop solution for everyone, absolutely. food-wise, yeah. exercise-wise. Yeah. Like, th- th- there's not, we're all so different. One of the things that I see on social media that makes me feel guilty is yoga. Like, yeah. oh my God, I can't do yoga. And it's like, well, I, I mean, like, you try it being in my head, trying to, like, zone out. It's just not happening. I can't meditate. I can't do it. But I sort of feel like, you know, we now know that you're healthier if you can meditate because stress is actually probably going to be one of the biggest killers yeah. now. I just can't do it. I'm the same. I went to a hot yoga class yeah. around the corner from here, a Bikram place, Was it a the few years back. the thing, Fierce Grace one? Yeah, yeah. I think oh, it, my it God. Was, I just did as well. I was just... Number one, it was brutal. But, yeah. but number two, I spent the whole time thinking about what was going on. Like, I, at, at no point was I in this amazing zen-like place. The whole time I was like, is this right? Am I doing this right? Oh, How weird does this look? I also this, think... Is it, I was so aware of myself. How it's tall like, are you? The opposite. I'm six foot four. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, I, I, I've got... I bet you're the same. Like, I've got really long legs. Yeah, yeah, I've actually yeah. got really short arms um, and really small hands. <laughs> and I just don't think my body it's is... Made, made, I mean, like, I can't put my legs through my arms... It just doesn't work. It annoys <laughs> the guy who gives me a lot of my CrossFit training gets annoyed any time I bring up my height and shape. Yeah. He's like, it's exercise. And I'm like, but legit, if we're doing handstands, I'm really long, which yeah. means long, thin yeah. arms, but because there's a lot of me, that's yeah. a lot of weight. Yeah. That's, that's got to affect it, right? Absolutely. I'm not being a dick here. He's quite short and muscular. Yeah. Perfect. It's there's like not, the right there's not it's, I, I'm certain. <laughs> the amount of arguments I've had with people doing, I cannot do a burpee. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. Anything where my legs have got to go up to my arms, it just does not work. Yeah. I've actually got injured from, from people not believing it. Yeah, I honestly can't. This could be our next, our next media campaign against, yeah. against t- t- tall people. Here's things that people's <laughs> certain sh- shapes can't do. Yeah. Um, weird question I want to just quickly yeah. go back to. How was your night? When you didn't go to the GQ. At the Awards. best time. That's what I was hoping. Oh. That's what I was sensing. Because there's so much, again, particularly when you're in anything public, that there's a yeah. pressure to be at certain events yeah. and a pressure to be certain ways. And generally, I've had, again, I get a lot of my mates mock me because I'm so, I rarely come out and stuff like that. But it's because a lot of the times I go, well, do I actually I want to go to that? And yeah, a lot yeah. of the time, it's not some weird, I'm not some weird priest, but a lot of the time it's like, no, I want to just chill in my. In, in my joggers and watch a film yeah. and not but, be on display yeah. and part of this 
you know, I think, I think one of the, the things... I mean, I, I definitely... I mean, I've hit that age. How old are you? Is that 37. Are oh, you? I must be younger than me. I've hit that, that time now where all of the stuff... I mean, I, weirdly, we were talking about this the other day, fashion week. I've been doing fashion week since I was 15. I modelled very briefly, and that was the first fashion week I ever went to. And I've been pretty much to every fashion week forever since yeah. then. I hate it. Well, it was one thing going when you, when you would actually enjoy it. I don't enjoy it. And it, you do it because it's like the thing to because do and you're invited. And it's, it's like, oh, God, every year like, I get invited by someone a bit more exciting. You're like, yeah. why am I doing this? So I kind of like, a few years ago, made a, a point of not really doing it. Unless it's a friend's show or something like that, I'll, in which case I want to support it. It's different. I don't go to any of these events unless they're the big ones or I've been, I, I'm up for something or friends up for something. You know, it's, it's those, it's simply if, if there's a, a personal reason for me to want to go, I'll go. It's not just to be seen or photographed anymore, which is a horrible part of the industry. It's really? like, it's there. You're, you're definitely advised that this is going to change your career. And in some cases, sad but true. Yeah. Um, I've never, it's never sat well with me. I'm certainly not that guy, but, you know, I've definitely done it for those reasons. I'm I not think on all those things, you've got to not play to your strengths, but allow your strengths to play for you. Yeah. So if, if putting yourself in these situations is going to be a positive thing, as long mm. as it's not a negative situation, then mm. sure, go ahead. And, yeah, no. yeah. Well, and so anyway, that night I ended up um, texting a very good friend of mine uh, and saying, like, Oh, I'm be miserable. Like what you do? He's like, yeah, come round. Um, let's go for dinner. So I met him in the pub. There were loads of like we're both single. We were like there were loads of hot people in the pub. We were like, yes. And then <laughs> and then we went off to Bratz, which is just around the corner. I had the best dinner I've had all year, and the best chat with my friend. And we ended up like chatting till like two in the morning and went to bed. Woke up not feeling like shit. It's great. Perfect, right? It's perfect because again, it's living the life that you actually wanted to live, yeah. rather than the one you're told that you should want to live, or you have a responsibility to want to live because yeah. it's awards. Yeah. It's this kind of thing. It's like, so I mean, you touched upon it there, but how's again? It's another. It's I don't even think I've even mentioned that we were discussing before we recorded that we've maybe met in past yeah. once or twice, but we've, we've interacted on social media yeah. for years and years. years. Yeah. So. One of the things I loved on your social media recently, and it, it, it feels relevant as this, because you were just saying how, at points, getting seen at the right place and things like this can, can benefit your career. And you're someone who's known for your style, your, you know, attractive, a young lady, all these kind of things. It's not your skill, mm. but it will have helped things along the way. It will have benefited. Um, you did a post the other day about uh, looking back at an old picture and noticing instantly how perky (laughs) your boobs were and and things like that. How is that? How have you found that? It's kind of that... that People are often say, well, all these things, it's it's the price of fame, the criticism you can get, all this, that. It's not. You're still humans and you're still real people. But again, and to be clear, the post was light-hearted and humorous and joking. It wasn't some, oh, woe is me. It was like... Oh no! I think I was trying to take this out this? of all of the, all of the stuff that's been going because it got quite heavy. The the GQ stuff. I mean, you know, I yeah. I had almost thirty thousand messages. Wow! It was a lot. Like you know, my Instagram shut down, and then I went to bed, and I woke up, and there was like, I mean, I think I think I woke up. There was ten thousand messages, yeah. which is just bananas. And then I woke up uh, the next day, and there was another ten. 
And then it sort of like gradually fizzled out about another seven, and it's gradually fizzled out. But even, you know, I'm still getting messages every day, and it was heavy. I woke up one morning and spent two hours in floods of tears, like reading yeah. people's stories about how people couldn't go to their own wedding. Wow. Or, you know, I mean, how, I mean, like people have like self-harmed from it, and a lot of men actually, which was really interesting. Yeah. I felt like, um, well, I was just having a bit of a taking piss going, oh, look, this is, you know, this is what it was like once. Um, and I was really, really thin and happy and healthy and, you know, had great tits. What can I say? <laughs> it was, I mean, that's been, yeah, I don't know. But then a lot of people are then like, God, you know, this may be a wage. Do you know what the weird thing for me now is this about to hit 40 thing? Because I don't think like that as well. And I still, I think, I mean, everyone who knows me will probably tell you that I'm completely immature and, and to a point of it being like, come on, Gizzy, wake up and smell the fucking coffee. You are yeah. almost 40. Um, but I just can't, I don't see myself like that. I guess because what I see when I look in the mirror isn't somebody who's almost 40. And, I, no. and I'm lucky, I guess there's, there is that as well. But I don't mean it like that. I mean that I just don't, in, the age thing is never really inhibited. And it's just, it, there's all these stigmas about these timelines and timescales. You know, I'm not married. I've been single for two years, really. And I... I'm actually happy. It's like, yeah. is that a problem? Exactly. Like, why Again, do we have to talk about this the whole time with, with a lot of people? And it's like, I'm kind of good with it. The, there's a Joe Rogan joke he did years and years ago where he's just saying how, do you remember when you were a kid and you thought that there was such the thing as grown-ups? Yeah. And then we got to now and you're like, oh, Those they guys. didn't have a clue what was going on either. <laughs> they, it was all a myth. Yeah. It was all this belief that at some point you're going to... Get, get to an age yeah. and get your little badge and your certificate. Yeah. You're now grown up. You know now how you now know how life works. Oh, like, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, I've still got a few uh, years to get. Same. I'm nowhere near. Yeah. Oh. Well, there's a like we're, we're at, at, at 45 minutes, and there's a couple of things I really. There's tons of things I want to mm. talk about, but m- most importantly, we need to talk about your new book. Yes. Um, so, so let's let's talk about that and. I've only seen the title and it excites me hugely. Yeah, because you know again, I was going to bring you a copy and I was, I was late, so I completely forgot. It's what we were talking about, how things... Mm. There's this habit of instantness mm. and it's called slow mm. food worth taking your time over. Mm. And that ex- excites me hugely because I think a lot of people will make an excuse of mm. not having enough time mm. of this or that. It's like, well, so, some things only take a bit of time yeah. and a, a, bit, a bit of effort. I've... I'm lucky I've got a, br- a brother who's the extreme of this and he only eats stuff now that he's grown himself, mm. that he cultivates himself. He, he, uh, when making his bread, he took ages to get it right because he won't use uh, yeast. He cultivates his own bacteria yeah. Yeah, to, to do that and all this kind of thing. And it's, his, his argument is, it's worth it. And it's, not, it's, 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 it's become a habit. Yeah. He gets up at a certain time, he does this and does that and preps all his stuff and that's just his life and it's fine. And... Whenever he's cooked for me, it's the most amazing food. And again, through no great training or anything, he's just just taken his time and learned this stuff. And it's so yeah. So so, what was the kind of idea behind this? You know what? Again, it's a media thing. You know, every single request we would get for recipes was give me something quick and easy. I'm like, you know what? That's not how I cook. I really love technique. I really don't like easy cooking. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I'm in late, I might just have a plate of cheese and a glass of wine. But I I do, or a really lovely tomato salad or something. But as a whole, 
processes why I cook. I love technique. I really get kicks out of making sourdoughs or yeah. butchery or making a proper stock or making proper jus or, or like real, real sources from bones. I love it. And I don't want, and I love, you know, even in its most simplistic form to what I think the average person would be able to understand, which is making a stew, the process of chopping the vegetables, browning your meat, producing your, your booze, putting in a good stock, you know, and letting it slowly cook. We all know that that makes delicious, tasty, heartfelt food. And, and it, me, shouldn't, it shouldn't be looked upon as a chore. That should be part of the enjoyment, yeah. the, the creation of it, and eating as well. Again, yeah. we've got into a habit of it has to be this, 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 no. and we've forgotten that eating is meant to be an enjoyable thing Absolutely. along the way as well. So, God, I, I wish that I didn't find it so enjoyable. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I think that we, when I talk to people, what is your favourite dishes? Often there'll be stews, curries, pasta sauces, and these are the things which involve process. I also wanted to challenge... I mean, another thing I, I find in media is that we speak to the great British public as if they are dumb. And, you know, oh, people don't want to do that. They don't, they, they, maybe they just can't, can't make their own pasta or can't make noodles or make dumpling wrappers. And you're like, but why not? It's yeah. easy. It's flour and it's water and it's putting it together and it's rolling it out. It's not all, you know, flour and eggs, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not complicated. Genuinely, it's been the biggest realisation of my of my brother in this, mm. this journey has gone yeah. it's like how much stuff has just been fucking easy that, that it's like well yeah. I'd never make my own pasta yeah. buy pasta in a shop yeah. that's how pasta works yeah. it's like no it turns out it's really easy to yeah. make pasta and, and that, you know, and it and tastes lovely that, and it's fresh and a certain, <laughs> a certain type of pasta I don't really like tagnolini which is a very fine thin pasta which I prefer I would prefer hard spaghetti yeah. so you know but then but when you're making a ragu, a real ragu should be served with pappardelle or, 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 or tagliatelle. And I want, you know, and actually I want to eat it how it should be. And yeah. that sometimes, and yes, you can get good, decent fresh pasta, but it's not the same. Yeah. And, you know, we now know, you know, I, I've been working with these guys actually, um, these girls from the spice company called Rooted. They won a big competition I did recently and they've done this really great revolutionary thing for ingredients in the same way that I think, I hope that this book does with cookery because, you know, we're looking at sort of these small holdings for chocolate or coffee um, or even these, or alcohol, you know, yeah. we all know that the artisanal way is the best way, actually. Yeah, yeah, Don't get me yeah. wrong, I love dairy milk, but yeah. I also love really good chocolate. Yeah. And it's just, again, a bit sort of understanding that they're at what it really should be like pre-manufacturing and processing to within an inch of its life. Yeah. And actually, this is what we... If we're talking about real cookery, this is what real cookery is, yeah. you know? I always have one of the things that's always frustrated me most about, about cooking um, is that we spend a lot of time buying really great ingredients, fresh vegetables, really high-welfare meats, and then people will ruin it with a stock cube. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? You've just yeah. poisoned this, yeah. this dish. And you make a really high-quality, high really easy, out of bones and things you've got left over in the fridge. I mean, what I do is I, I freeze bones. If I've had a roast chicken, I'll just put the bones in the freezer in a bag. And then when I've got five or six of them, I'll make a stock. Amazing. And, but, or I'll make a stock after every single roast I have, actually, often. Because that's my mum in me. And, <laughs> um, and I really... You know, you, if you get... There's things you don't get out of a stock cube. I'm probably boring you now, but that oh you that you can only get from fresh stock, which is gelatin and collagen. And the thing that makes a sauce stick 
You know, if yeah. you ever get a really good sauce and you're like lipstick together. Yeah. And it's just, this is what you get from, from actually the investment and the time that it takes to make that really good stock. And you won't get that without it. Yeah. And so, I don't know. And, and because with that stuff, you're making it to eat it. You're not making it to then be on a shelf in a yeah. shop for Absolutely. several weeks. Therefore, it's not going to have all these things that are in there to preserve it, to make Absolutely. it. It's, it's just going to have the real yeah. tasty, enjoyable mm. stuff rather than, oh, well, this is nice, but how can we make it so that it can be left on a shelf for Absolutely. several months and then in a cupboard for several months? Yeah. But it's I, not going to be the best. Yeah. It's not going to be the Absolutely. best it can be. I do think people are, do understand now processing. I, yeah. do, I, think, I think that that's something that's inherent, that we, we understand that, right, every so often we want to eat some junk and it's fine and it's good, you know. And, but then there, there is the side of processing that people don't understand on their bodies. Um, going off on a really random tangent now, you know, that actually pasta is a processed dish, yeah. you know, because you're mixing together anything that isn't, it's sort of, in itself, it's raw form. A smoothie is a processed dish. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, soup is processed. Yeah. You know, and it's changed its natural form so it has a completely different effect on your body. So... Processing as a whole, when we start talking about putting e numbers into it, it sort of changes changes it again. But I do think we understand that as, as a as a whole. I, I think I just want people to like get back to the to the understanding of what things really should be and challenging yourself actually. Yeah. Um, and not being not being treated like you can't do it because yeah. you can. That's completely. And I mean, I feel like a professional presenter now, but speaking on the lines of. Of, of, of number one, sometimes you don't want to take the time yeah. every now and then, that's fine. But also, if things aren't overly processed and all that, then naturally healthier, there's better mm. things in it. Let's talk about filth foods mm. and, and a mess street market and all of this. I've not been there, so tell yeah. me about it a bit and, and take um, me through it. So, filth started as pure filth. Sadly, we lost the name pure in... Uh, because it's already out. Not pure filth, but pure own the rights to every food offering. Right. So we, 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 oh, um, wow. we are That's now filth. I believe we're still allowed to use pure filth burger, which is great. Yeah. Um, we are going, you know, uh, we started two years ago, plus I met Rose Ferguson. Actually, no, I met Rose like five years ago, completely. Yeah. The great thing about Rose is she's exactly like me. She gets completely drunk. She loves a party. Um, <laughs> mostly, she's far far better at eating than I am, and the fact that she's like, she loves eat, really loves eating healthy food. Yeah. Um, but we always had like, she's really, she's an inter- really intellectual woman, you know, she's a nutritionist, she's an actual model, but she's a nutritionist, a real one as well, like she, she's now like, she has a Harley Street office, but she's also um, doing all of the, for um, Northern Ireland, capital... <laughs> Belfast. Belfast. Here University. We go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My brains. Um, the oh, that was good though. You got it. That was it. good. We got a little a quiz <laughs> halfway through. So I like it. This is great. <laughs> um, we yeah. So she um, she's devising this new sort of traffic light system, which is going to be more towards um, like it's less towards the sort of what's got fat and sugar in it. It's yeah. going to be what's good fats, what's good sugars, and oh, things like that. Great. She's she's really great. She's really good at her job. She knows everything about everything and she loves food but she but she loves having a good time too and we were both sort of she took me off on this thing because i have obviously these really contrary opinions about the health industry and she was like right let's go to the Maya clinic and while we were there she was telling me about her food business she was doing and i was telling her about mine we were just like we're kind of doing the same thing why don't we combine it yeah 
Um, and we wanted to do sort of high, um, high nutrition food and things that you wouldn't have ever imagined that you could eat. The stuff you're told you can't. And in the in the development process, I made this veggie burger, and the burger is brilliant. If, without yeah. sounding like a title dick, it's one of the best creations I've ever made, and it's just got better and better and better. Yeah. Um, turns out, Rose analyzes it. The patty, the patty alone, which. What we wanted to do was not achieve a burger that was at all like um, what was going on in America, the things like the Impossible Burger, which mm-hmm. are these vegetarian burgers that bleed, um, or um, Beyond the Meats, which is a similar thing. We, or, but we didn't want to do a bean burger either. And by a sheer accident, I, did, I created a process, which I can't tell you about because it's hopefully going to be something that is going to be quite a successful thing, and yeah. I will have to kill you if I tell you. <laughs> but it's, um, you know... the. This burger feels like, I guess, like a proper burger. Not yep. like a raw burger, but like a proper, let's say, a McDonald's patty. Yeah. But it's got as much umami in it as, um, as beef, you know. Yeah. People are trying it, and they really do not know that it's not Amazing. beef. But we're yeah, not yeah. trying to be beef either, if yeah. that makes sense. It's got texture, it's got, but it's also really nutritious. So the burger alone is almost four of your five a day. Yeah. You know, the bun, we were infusing beetroot into it, or um, carrot and, t- and turmeric. The, uh, you know, and there's loads of different components to it where, where it actually has loads of nutrition. It's really good for you. Yeah. Um, we're not a vegan brand. We're vegetarian and we're ethical, you know. I, I don't really want to compete with the vegan market per se because I don't think... I think that the reason we're doing this is for, for two different things. It's to show that the meat industry is... The, one of the big things that's screwing up the world. We all know that 100%. now as well. Yeah. Um, I'm a meat eater, but I'm a very sort of conscientious um, one. And I do believe that what I, the one thing I'd like to get through to everybody, I guess my sort of political statement of life, is that we need to recognise that we can't carry on eating the way that we do. 100%. And, couldn't agree more. And, and we just need to slow down on, on meat production. And I'd love to see factory farms being squashed out slowly but surely if we did that overnight it would be the we've got to also be conscientious of of the um economic impact of of the meat industry and but we have to withdraw it and supplement it with something else that's good that people aren't feeling like they're missing out on and still give people the option of eating high quality meat anyway it's you know i'd like i'd rather have a little bit a little bit of, of something often you know um or or you know i mean i grew up in asia i you know a chicken a whole chicken will feed like 10 people yeah we we in the west have a very strange attitude a very Complete, frivolous attitude towards me and again i think the trouble comes again from extremes mm. from people who are adamant no meat's great or at times from from vegans who are mm. too over the top of of this is or judgmental yeah. in that way and I'm, I'm the same. I'm not a vegan, but I completely think we need to v- v- vastly reduce the mm. amount of meat we eat. I'm, and I, dairy. I eat meat a few times a month, mm. a month now, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it. But again, one of the reasons I'm so pro-vegan is it's getting us to that place quicker, if, yeah. if you know what I mean. But again, yeah. equally, there is so many economic and economic yeah. reasons that Absolutely. it can't just be this switch off. because. I was discussing this uh, the, the other day, or a few times recently, with a, a few different uh, vegans. It's genuinely an issue. If we were to now just stop eating meat, then there, would, there will become an issue of, of 
not only the animals that yeah. have already overbred to make this huge population, yeah. but the wild animals who it is in their, their nature, particularly pigs and boars, yeah. to just eat and fuck, yeah, essentially. So we've removed all the natural predators and we yeah. forget that we are Actually one of the predators. So yeah. if we were to go completely, then we'd suddenly have to kill loads of animals mm. and not eat them, which seems worse to me, like less respectful. So mm. it's this weird balance. I mean, that's what... I mean, I had a, another thing recently where I went to go... I was very frustrated by this. This was actually probably one of the most... Um, God, not horrible things that's ever happened to me. I, frustrating, for sure. I mean, I went to see an ethical farm. Um, they're called Dingleydale. They're amazing. What they're doing is so progressive. They're right. doing what we're seeing in small meat production, small meat producers. But what they're trying to do is go, you know what, we want to be able to give this meat to the masses. We're not going to be a, um, you know, we're not going to be a small holding which is only contributing at this quality to restaurants and people with money, we, we want to kind of get it as a tangible product that we can get out to, you know, everyone. And, and they're, but they're still building it on that same quality yeah. and those same ethics. And the ethics are really high. God, without getting too into it, you know, often what happens in, in the meat industry is babies are taken away from their mums very, almost instantly, actually. There's no, very little weaning off process. Um, in the dairy industry, it is instant. Um, mm-hmm. And it, for two reasons, the mother cows end up being in a lot of pain um, because their umbilical cords are still... T- they don't have the time for their the umbilical cords to pull themselves back in or something to do yeah. with that. Um, and, then, and then also, they're, they're emotionally in pain. They've lost their child. Yeah, um, and they spend days screaming, you know. It's, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. And um, that's just the start. The, the male cows are often killed at birth. Um, because they have no use. Yeah. And the same thing goes on with chicks as well. Yeah. I mean, if you really looked into the processing of, of meat and dairy, you would be horrified. Yeah. And therefore, I think it's very, very important that people are making conscious decisions on food. That said, there are other places like these farms. There's another brilliant dairy farm called um, Carfoot Dairy, you know, that are keeping these animals together and growing them up together and actually trying to get back to those really old heritage ways of, of production to, and giving you a better product, the food tastes better, it's been made with consciousness and, you know, it's really revolutionary. I mean, I am a meat eater. eater. I am a meat eater. I want to eat meat for various reasons, but mostly because I'm a, I find it animalistic. I, I, it's, in my, you know, it's in my nature to want yeah. to do it. Um, but also... It's, it's actually medicinal for me. Like, I, I'm the same as you. I don't need to eat it every day, but when I do, if I, I have a steak, I do feel better. I'm sorry. I do. There's no getting away from it, you know? I mean, it's, 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 it's a good point. The more, the more we improve the, the meat industry, the farming industry, mm. the, the better it is on a, a, a moral level, but also on a nutritional level. Again, Absolutely. a lot of these, these, these fitness people who shout down vegans or whatever and mm. are... Most of the meat you're eating hasn't got the protein it's claiming yeah, to have in it because that's what it's listed as for chicken. Yeah. But not a chicken that's lived in a fucking cage its yeah, whole life. It's like right. all of these animals will be better for us. And mm. again, I'm a big believer in that. I'm not a spiritual person, but there is something there that makes me believe that we should be respecting the life that is being given. So the more that we can all, if it can have a better life, and then we're Absolutely. 
ingested more from yeah. that and taken on more. Absolutely. It's a beautiful process. And, and you know what? Every day... It's the Lion King. It's, it's the circle of life. It's true. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm sure the same as you. If, you. if you have a conscience, every day I battle with it. Do yeah. I, I don't eat meat vacuously. I, yeah. Trust me, I do it with a conscience. I think the problem is, is that so often, more often than not now, I'm going to say most, most people do just like to forget where it really comes yeah. from. And also look at what, what they can afford, you know. If I'm yeah, broke, I mean, and actually, when I, was, when I was at catering school, I found it really, really hard to be able to afford to buy fruit and vegetables. Mm-hmm. All I could live off was either carbohydrates and beans uh, and pulses, you know, or meat. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's basically what cheap food is. And yeah. that is a and that's it's a societal problem. thing. We're yeah. very much in the UK. The, the fact that we will always refer to a meal that hasn't got meat in as a vegetarian meal yeah. shows how we're yeah. programmed that a meal that's is meat is I'm, meat and veg. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's I'm not a meal. It like that. Again, it's it's another thing that my proprietor gets hugely annoyed about because I'm like, "Oh, you having the vegetarian pizza?" He's like. No, I'm having a pizza with yeah. some vegetables on. Yeah. Why is it a special thing yeah. if it's not got meat? And it's a weird, it's part of our society. It's meat and veg. Yeah. That's a meal. Other than that, it's some kind of special label. Anyway, I'm going to have to have to wrap things up as we're over the, over the hour mark. And, I could chat and for hours. That was we really could, that couldn't really we? It, it flew by. Well, <laughs> again, before we go, uh, where can people find you on socials and... I, All my name, places. well, it's just Gizzy Erskin yep. but on Twitter and, and, and Instagram. Um, yeah, and yeah. Everything I, else is, is, is linked from there and can be found much, easy I mean, enough. I'm still like living in that gorilla of advertising brain of my mind. I don't have a website still. <laughs> but I think, I think that's fine. It hasn't not served me, I don't think. I'm the same. I've got a website. <laughs> I forget. I, I looked the other day in the last book. The blog I did was like an update from something three years ago. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, yeah, I yeah. just live on socials. Well, thank you very much. It's no, been an absolute you. pleasure. I'm so pleased we finally got to do this. You've been listening to Squibbish Pips. There we go. How was that? I told you it was a good one. I I, I wish we could have talked f- for longer. We really just felt, it felt as if we were just getting into our stride there. So that was an amazing one to do. I really enjoyed it. As said, I hope you've enjoyed the, the bonus. Hope you all enjoyed our Wednesday's episode with Dr. Kate Devlin. Sex, science and robots was the main themes there. So yeah. Yeah, if if you'd missed it, you're now going to go and check that out because it's it's well worth a listen. Um, yeah, I'll be back next week with Say Trances and B Dolan. Um, and until then, this has been the Trash Pizza Podcast, episode two hundred and thirty-five. Ta ta.